Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. My name is Chris. Across from me, it's Patrick. Hello, Mr. Hulon. How are you, sir? I'm good. And yourself? Fantastic. Episode number 127, now officially underway. Pull this down. Working on the volume levels tonight. Holy schmoly. This week's charity of choice uh, will come as no surprise, but this week we're going to support the charity in a way that benefits us all. You can drop some weight, increase your cardio resilience, and raise money for Operation Underground Railroad. My family is signing up. We will be there for the Lexington Rescue Run in Columbia, South Carolina, coming up in March. March 13th, I believe, is the exact date. You don't have to worry about remembering any of this. Just remember, if you go to FeltRecallShow.com, click over to our Facebook page. We've got a link right there. You can come join me. I'll be out there huffing and puffing like the fat old man that I am. Uh, but it's all for a great cause. Columbia, South Carolina in March, the Lexington Rescue Run to support Operation Underground Railroad. If you don't know what they do, they literally get kids back who have been abducted and sold into slavery. America is the largest consumer of child pornography and child exploitation videos in the world. It's our problem to fix. Operation Underground Railroad is working to fix it. Apologies in advance for the voice. I don't like apologizing over like technical issues, but I'm a little raspy. Been a busy day yelling at my children because I'm that kind of parent. I thought maybe you had the COVID. I might. I might. I went to a public gathering without a face mask on. What? And I hugged people while I was there. In a minute, in a minute, we're going to talk about how I'm always right. That's the only reason this podcast exists is so that I can publicly say to the seven people that download it every week, we mom, might as well, dad, wife, children. <laughs> we might as well go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. That was actually the front runner for the name of this podcast. Chris is always right. Always. And I kind of pushed back a little bit. You did. Uh, which is... To say, what about me? Mm-hmm. If you're always right, you're right. I don't want to be like the sidekick to the guy that's always right. Why not? All you got to do is agree. It's an easy job. That's true. Um, compensation is, was the main reason. Full candor here. That's kind of what I thought you'd been doing the whole time. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I've been duped. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we landed on felt recoil, and here we are. Have we ever said where the name Felt Recall came from? Is that in like episode one if you go back? No, I think you pretty much just um, berated me about my, uh, at the time, girlfriend who's now my wife. Oh, that was the first episode? Yeah, (laughs) probably, probably. Um, Well done, by the way. Yeah, yeah, lock that one down. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, sir. (laughs) Appreciate that. Point in hand. Yep. Always uh, right. Chris was right. Always right. Yep. Felt recoil came from working in a gun store. We were sitting around one day talking about if you were going to name a band, what would the name of the band be? I said, I think Felt Recoil would make a cool band name. It's used a lot in the gun industry. And then, hey, that'd also make a fun podcast. So here we are. Um, I have, I'm going to tell you how I'm always right, and the government proved it 
this week with the stimulus package. Does that mean the government's always wrong? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Trust me. No doubt about that. Or mutually exclusive. I just want to make sure. I heard it said this week that $600 is what rich people think, poor people think is a lot of money. And that's exactly what the government did to us this week. I, yeah, I would I would probably agree with that. Those actually, pesky peasants. Yeah. <laughs> Here's $600. It's not going to pay your mortgage. If you're like me and you have kids, that's like two to three weeks worth of groceries. I can see Pelosi right now being like, don't spend it all at the Nickelodeon. Right. Yes. I saw the Marie Antoinette meme was one of my favorites. It said, yeah. let them have $600. That was good. Chuck E. Cheese meme is good. That's that's a classic. We'll dive into that in detail in a second. But the first thing I wanted to say was um, I did. I had we had a funeral uh, as as I mentioned last week. We uh, lost a family friend, and um, we uh, had his funeral on Friday. It was it was sad, but it was also happy. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where your your faith really is put to the test, right? You sit there and you look and you think and you go. Man, you know, there's those who have a really strong faith. And if you have a really strong faith that there's life after death, then you can be sad for the present, but but joyous uh, for what's to come. And so that's what we chose to focus on. And that's not the point of this as much as it's um, kind of twofold. Number one, I didn't wear a face mask. I was told to sit every other row, which I found funny. So we could all sit on rows together, shoulder to shoulder, literally rubbing shoulders with people, leaning over and talking. But I couldn't sit directly behind anybody three feet away. Like if you're in a row in a church, there's usually, I'd say you could get a yardstick between your abdomen and the back of the person in front of you. So that's kind of one of those inconsistencies that I find hilarious. Um, I tried to sit behind my parents and uh, my dad said, no, we're going to do every other row. The church is doing every other row. And then my mom, being mom, was like, get up and move. Hurry, get up and move, you know. And so I made a pledge to my mom that if I sneezed during that service, I was aiming for the back left corner of her face mask she was wearing. I was going to go right in it. Anyway, um, they were respect. My parents both had COVID. They were respectful. Uh, I remember mom wearing a mask. That's why I made that comment. Anyway, um, I so, didn't. So here, here's what I don't understand, yeah. though. Maybe okay, you can sorry. clarify this. Sure. Because, I don't know, the science maybe is still out, or maybe the science is settled, and I just don't know it. So let's use your parents, for example. They've had COVID. Yeah. They're still masking up. Yeah, and, and some of that and is... I'm not beating up on them, no. to be clear. Well, I think I think it's a respect thing in that situation. You're in the church. Okay. Church right. had signs up. We would appreciate it if you did. I didn't see the signs, and that's legit. Like I, but, I came. But what in I'm asking saw, is, but, do we know now? So if you've had it, you can't then spread it, or how, like I guess I'm. I don't really know how that works. I don't either. I don't know. I don't know at all. I think that's kind of the point. Is there's a whole heck of a lot we still don't know, right? Dive into that in just a second. I want to make two points that I thought were interesting. Uh, well, not interesting. One's interesting. The other was funny. You're the oldest, right? You have, yep. How many younger brothers do you have? Two. Just two? I feel like there's a new one every time I turn around. <laughs> um, so um, I know of two is what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so I'm I'm a middle child for all intents and purposes, meaning 
Uh, I have two older siblings and one younger sibling. My oldest sibling is seven years older than me. So by the time I was 11, 12 years old, she was moving out and getting married. And so it was kind of my older brother, me, and my younger sister for the developmental years of 13, you know, to 20, 19-ish when I moved out of the house. And so um, that'll play in, in just a second. The first point I want to make, though, was it was interesting to me that at the funeral it was mentioned that, you know, hugging is somewhat taboo now. That wasn't the word that was used, but it was made mention of, I want to give everybody big hugs, but in this time of COVID, I know it can make some people feel uncertain. I respect that position. But it made me remember how I have said, I'm not going to be a bad human being. Not that you're a bad human being for not hugging people, but I don't want us as people to lose our our common paths of sympathy because we're afraid of something. Makes sense? So when I saw my friends who were suffering, I said, can I hug you? And they all said yes, and we just hugged because that's the way I feel about it is if you don't want me to, I won't, but I want you to know that I would understand if you wanted a hug right now, and I'm okay with it. Because there was the, I think I told you, we had the guy come to fix an appliance in the kitchen months ago. And he didn't want to shake my hand. And I had to tell him, if you're coming in my house, we're going to shake hands first. And he laughed and we shook hands. (laughs) And he he said, okay, I just want to make sure you were comfortable. I said, I'm not going to be rude because I'm afraid to get a little sick. Now, that was just kind of the interesting part to me was, are, are we really at a point? Like, are we really as a society, which nobody there really was. I want to be really clear. Everybody there was hugging. It was very standard affair for a funeral. But it made me wonder if there were people out there who were missing that necessary comfort in times of tragedy, which we know there kind of are. I think I talked about that here with my grandmother going and seeing her. You couldn't even get in the room. Yeah. Because they're like, well, you, you might bring something in with you. And so you have to watch your Nana suffer alone like a caged animal because some segments of society have reached that point. And that's really, really sad. And that makes me a little more angry when people are dogmatic about the masks and the lockdowns because, A, now we know they're not helping. They're actually making things worse. We know this is science, which we're going to share with you in just a second. And, B... I was watching I was watching Neat the story of bourbon last night. Have you ever seen that? No. Really intriguing. If you want to know like the science of the drink, go watch Neat the story of bourbon. And there's a lot of good to it, but a gentleman in there sh- shares a story where he says he's a third generation employee from Buffalo Tr- is it Buffalo Trace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yep. So he's a third-generation employee at the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Super smart guy. Shows a really cool thing of how, I guess they have what's called the white dog, is how they make bourbon, and that is the distilled alcohol that goes into the barrel. And then when it comes out seven years later, it's officially bourbon, right? But what they do is they keep that white dog on hand. You put a little splash of it in your hands, and then you kind of clap your hands, rub them, and you smell them. 
And you do this for a given number of times, and it breaks the components down as you do it. He goes through it in the documentary. And you can actually sniff out the ingredients of the bourbon with the white dog by doing that. It's really, really neat. Okay, he probably can. Well, he, yeah, maybe I'm he pretty can. sure I can. <laughs> well, he does it. He's on a tour. He takes these people on the tour. I'm pretty tour. sure I'd be like, <laughs> and he shows them. Oh, it burns. <laughs> oh, it burns yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a cool dude. But he tells this story in there about uh, they rolled, I think, the four millionth barrel off the, the line at Buffalo Trace. And <clears throat> I think his dad had retired. And he, um, I almost hate to tell the story, but so good I'm going to tell it anyway. Go watch the documentary despite knowing that this happens. It's really, really good. So he says, I think the president of the company gives him a 20-year pappy, a bottle of 20-year pappy. And so his dad and his brother come over to the house, and they sit at the table, and he takes the cork out of the bottle, and he pours a little bit into everybody's glass, and he puts the cork back in the bottle, and he starts to put it away. And his dad goes, what are you doing? And he said, well, Dad, I mean, it's 20-year Pappy. If you don't know, Pappy Van Winkle is a bourbon you just can't get. And when you do get it, it's like four or 500 bucks a bottle for the 20, right? Or more. Or more, even. It's crazy expensive. And so his dad says to him, here's what you need to understand. That is four times like this. Because how often are you going to get times like this? Your brother and I are the fragile parts of this equation. So don't put it away. That is made to share and to enjoy in times like this. And he said he hadn't, you know, it was like the first time in years that they had all been able to sit down together. So they drink some bourbon. They have great conversation. And within nine months, they were both gone. Wow. Lost his dad to a terminal illness, didn't get into his brother. But he said within nine months, they were both gone. And the first thing I thought about was the funeral because then I go back in my head to, are you really going to be the person at the funeral not willing to hug your friend in grief? Because there's only one real fragile thing there. By the way, 99.5% survival rate, even if you get the COVID, And so for the sake of that, we're giving up, passing on sympathy that people need. I don't know. Perspective, that's all. When this all started, there were a lot of pundits out there saying that this was like the end of the handshake. This was the end of the hug. And that that we as a society, as a culture, we're going to have to adapt to that fact. Yeah. And I thought that that was really strange. Uh, I still feel like it's really strange. I, I felt like that was just somebody looking for something to talk about and not really. I mean, I guess, I guess when you look at it, how old is the hug? Right. How old is the handshake? Right. I would say the hug is since the first baby, you know? Right. So yeah. I just can't enable and, and, and it will continue to be as much. When the next child is born. Yeah. So this this idea that we can suddenly change who we are as a as a species is kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, 
that might be great for like some sci-fi movie or something. <laughs> but I right. just I just don't see that being real. And and I'm it sounds actually, like a Planet of the Apes scenario. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm starting to see. So you know, I think we went through a phase where you had a lot of people that were um, very standoffish when it came to mm-hmm. any sort of contact because. As I've griped about before, we were told we would all die if we touched anything. That's right. Um, we know all of that was false. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, so I guess, you know, our leadership failed us. Imagine that. Boy, howdy. So people were a little standoffish, and then I've seen that start to kind of come back a little bit to where people started doing the fist bump. Mm-hmm. So we went from we stopped all contact mm-hmm. to then it went to a fist bump. Mm-hmm. So now handshakes are starting to come back around. I'm starting to see more people um, ex- legitimately extend their hand. Most people will ask, you know, is it cool? Yeah. And then it's not really a big deal. Shouldn't be anyway. <clears throat> well, I mean, if, if again, if what we know is true is that the virus is spread through the air, then what difference right. does it make? Unless you're literally like licking your hand and then shaking hands, as we've talked about, only way to live, as you do, as the (laughs) you know when Chris introduces himself, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hello, and it's never been awkward. That's the cool thing about it. It's totally normal. Mm. Good to meet you. I do it before and after, you know, just to prove it's not to gross them out. Ah, you taste good. Uh, should see this guy at the salad bar. People love it. Yeah. <laughs> Produce section. I know everybody's weirded out by COVID, so I'll just be licking my fingers now instead of the fruit itself to like see what fried I like. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Sir. All right. Um, Get off the kumquats. <laughs> point number two, why I asked about you being an older brother, and then we'll move on. I was at the, the – oh, I do have to say this was weird – this was weird. So the funeral was a military funeral. Gentleman was in the Air Force. Okay. They did the full military honors outside. And those knuckleheads pointed those guns right at the crowd. And what? It was like being in a firing squad. Four realsies. <laughs> Wait, what? Four realsies. Air Force, get your people under control. Because I couldn't help but think, you know who wouldn't have done that? Any other branch of the military. <laughs> That actually uses guns. Where's Grand Thumb? Grand Thumb's in the Air Force. Grand Thumb. Somebody get this to Grand Thumb. Leave it to the Coast Guard of the skies. Can you please? I'll tell you what. Can you please get with the Color Guard and figure out? Is that what they, what do they call it? it Honor Guard. Guard. Honor Guard. Can you get with the Honor Guard, please, and talk to them about pointing the Grands at the, like, when I say at the crowd, I mean, like, it would have been understandable if somebody didn't know what was happening. And, like, drew down on those guys and opened fire. Did you feel like you were at Kent State? A little bit. Yes. Thank you. Not too, not too soon. Too no, soon? I don't think so. Okay. All no, right. Just no, no, no. You don't need to qualify that. That's fair. I do believe the crowd fired first, though, at Kent State, if, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't there. There's a man on the grassy knoll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? My conflating stories again. Um, yeah, that was really strange. So, the honor guard... Uh, they were really cool, but they pointed the rifles right at the crowd. And when you're there and your mom and dad are in the crowd, like they leveled like right at the, Patrick, right at the crowd. 
it was really awkward feeling, and I couldn't help but feel like I'm not the only one that thinks this is really, really crazy right now. Um, but here's what happens. You might want to call somebody. I'm not even <laughs> sure who you call. Yeah. Just let them know. It's, look, it's not really how this should work. They think Biden's going to be president. They start the firing squads right away. That's all I could. That's all I can come away with. Um, but here's the older brother thing that I thought was funny. We we go outside, and uh, as I mentioned, the gentleman, his son, is my brother's age. So it's kind of like seeing all my brother's high school friends. And I'm standing there. And this guy walks up next to me, and he says, hey, um, I, don't, I don't even remember the name he, met, he said, because I didn't know who he was. Put his hand out, and I go, oh, good to see you. Well, he had a mask on, so I can't see his face, right? right. He, he can see mine. Totally unfair. Well, he pulls the mask down a little bit, and he's got his big beard. He's like, it's me. And I'm like, good to see you. And then, you know, <laughs> what, what, what am I supposed to do? Cool. Because we're waiting, right? They're about to start the little the outside ceremony portion of it. So it kicks off right about that moment. It kicks off, taps, plays, really sad. That's a hard thing to make it through for me. Real quick, I don't think you can say it kicks off at a funeral. Like it, <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> started doing my. I'll tell you this: taps, by the way, isn't as hard for me as Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. That gets me every time. Yeah, taps, I can enough. make it through. Taps, I can make it. It's hard, but. For me, um, kind of the the trigger for me is is Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. That's I think that because that's what they did at my grandfather's funeral when I was like fifteen, and ever since then every time I can't hear it. Um, but yeah, it kicks off. And we're like woo, and uh, they do taps, and then they do the guns. And about the time they start shooting at the crowd, I'm <laughs> I'm noticing this guy is staring me down. Like, cold, hard stare. And he's just over my left shoulder. So, he's just in my peripheral enough that I, like, my sixth sense is kicking in and I feel like he's just drilling holes. So, you draw on him. So, I strangled him, right? Because <laughs> we are at the back of the crowd. Um, I felt like, I bet that's ATF and they've been listening. And so, I did what needed to be done. And they get done, you know, practicing their firing squad drill whatever it was they were doing. And as soon and, and they go, you know, they, they fold the flag, listen to him talk <clears throat> really hard. And it, uh, the preacher who did the funeral says, on behalf of the family, thank you for being here. Go in peace. May God bless you. And as soon as that happens and feet start scuffling, that guy looks at me and goes, you're Keith, right? And I go, Nope. I'm the younger brother, right? That's my older brother. I go, huh? He goes, man, all right. Well, I thought you were. And I said, well, at least I feel better for having no clue who you are. <laughs> uh, and as it turned out, he was uh, he was from Illinois, and the people had lived in Illinois for a while. My brother took a road trip to see their son at a given point, and he met my brother and thought he knew me. I thought, man, it just feels like, you know, yeah, those things happen, and you feel like a kid again, and you kind of have to mentally fight your way out of putting yourself back into the, the state of 15, 16-year-old you because you're like, hey, I'm not a I, kid anymore. Yeah, it's to me, it reminds me of going to family reunions, mm -hmm. and you see those people that you only see once a year at the family reunion. Yep. And everybody else knows who they are, 
Yep. My parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, they know who these all these other people are. And then they come up to you and they're like, hey. Yeah. And you're just like, all right. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> yeah. Or, yes, but also when you go there and they feel like they can still boss you, like you're 12. I never really had that. And you're like, nah, dog. You get it. You know what I'm saying? Like that dynamic ended when I, you know, when I went off and became an adult. Like now I don't have to pretend like I like you. Let me tell one more story. We'll go to break. But I am reminded of I have an uncle who I've never thought liked me. Okay. Fine. I was in radio for many years. What would give you that impression, Chris? Here's here's a great impression. <laughs> He was in the Navy or the military of some sort. And I was in radio at the time. And I'm not trying to say anything other than facts here, okay? I was one of less than 10 full-time on-air employees at the radio station at the time. One of the leading radio stations in the Greenville market, by the way. So there was me... Then a night show guy, afternoon guy, a midday girl, and a morning show. The morning show had four people on it. So whatever that math is. Like you just named people. the whole day. So when were you on? Yeah, I was overnight guy. <laughs> That's right. Um, and But I was overnight guy full time. But I did, like, the midday girl had a baby, and I did her show for the 12 weeks she took off, which was agony. <laughs> agony. Because she was, like, the gossip queen. And so I had to, like, do all the pop culture gossip stuff. It was kind of the beginning of me realizing this is not for me. I used to get in trouble for not doing it. And then I would do it and make fun of the celebrities and get in more trouble than just not doing it. So, anyway, I was supposed to have to... It's very talk soup of you. Yeah, it was. It was dude, I channeled Greg Kinnear, like, thoroughly, 100% correct. Not the fake John Henson guy, talk soup. Yeah. Not Joel McHale, classic Greg yeah. Kinnear. Uh, yeah, that was kind of my thing. And um, anyway, why did I get on to this? Oh, yes. So I would fill in Your on the big parts. You. I go to like a Thanksgiving or something. Now, let me let me say this. This is a radio station. Less than 10 full-time employees to be on the air. I'm one of them. We service millions of people every day, Right. Greenville, Spartanburg, Asheville, Anderson. That's the listening area for that station still to this day. It's a lot of people. And I'm standing in the driveway at my parents' house at some Thanksgiving, Christmas thing. And this dude walks up to me and he goes, so you're still doing the radio thing? I said, I am. He goes, yeah, that's cool. I mean, radio is kind of one of those things, just anybody can really get into it. He's got one to do it. And I went, well... Much unlike the military, actually, no, it's a little harder <laughs> to get a job on the radio. And then that was the end of that conversation. And I was like, you punk. Like, I was so mad that he said it. Like, what you are, no offense to the military, but you really have to be pretty uh, lacking to not get it. You can find a way to get into the military if you want to get in the military. The military literally goes out and tries to pull people in, like every other occupation of, of the sort, right? 
So for a guy who had made a career out of the military, which, again, all you got to do is sign up and agree to do it to get into the military, to walk up to somebody (laughs) who has legitimately had to work and prove and put demos together, again, not to belittle the military in any way whatsoever, I don't think radio is a hard job. I I really don't. Tell us more about how you hate the Navy SEALs, Chris. (laughs) Jesse Ventura is going to kick through that (laughs) door behind you in a minute and beat me with his fanny pack. Um, Yeah, so anyway. I think that's the dynamic. The fix for that is you should have said, why don't you come on the show? And you should invite him on and then just... And watch Turn the mic cold. on, and then just watch the red light come on, and then he just locks up. Yep. Say something. Tell me more about how easy this job is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's how you should have handled that. Not a bad idea. You know what? Get him on the show right now. Just call him up. Mad. Just, just made me mad. Just made here's your me chance, mad. Chris. That's the dynamic. We can we can put some closure on this <laughs> for you. Get him in the room. Uh, he wouldn't even take the call. He'd probably act like it never happened. He'd act like I just made it up for the sake of this podcast. He would lie. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> nah, but that's the dynamic. I've, at least for me, sometimes I click back into that mode. But that's the first time I remember kind of this self-realization of, I'm not a kid. You're not allowed to treat me like one anymore. Anyway. All right. That's enough of that. Um, we're going to break down the stimulus package. I don't know if you're excited for your 600 bucks or not. And then we're going to talk about this COVID study. Of all 50 states since May, that actually proves whether or not lockdowns and masks work. But first of all, if you're unsure of what to do with that $600 coming your way, let me remind you, if you feel uncertain about what will happen in January, you cannot be too cautious when it comes time to prepare for the worst. And that is why we are excited to let you know They have special deals running with AR500 Armor right now at feltrecoilshow.com slash AR500. That is their page on our website. AR500 makes tools of liberty like body armor, plate carriers, and tactical accessories for the defense of every free man's God-given rights. That's their words, not ours. So they're good people. Based out of Phoenix, Arizona, American-operated and owned all of their steel core AR-500 armor is proudly manufactured in Phoenix. You can check out their Banshee Advanced Loadout Plate Carrier Package with armor. Prices start at less than 500 bucks. In fact, just under $450. And you might be able to qualify for six months, same as cash financing. So if you've got some cash flow coming in, you know you need it, but you don't want to have to pay for it all right now. Here's a great option. I mean, 450 bucks over the course of six months. Where are you talking there? Like 75 bucks, 80 bucks a month. It's paid off. No interest. That's a way to do it right there. So please visit feltrecoilshow.com slash AR500. That is full of affiliate links because we're greedy and we're trying to make money off this podcast, but we are unapologetic about that. But we're glad to have them as somebody we can recommend to you. Go there, check it out now. Feltrecoilshow.com slash AR500. It's a legal thing, by the way. 100%. If you don't disclose that you're making money on the other end, the federal government will now come out. Wait, are we talking about capitalism or body armor? All of it. All right, yeah, I'm in. All of it. Sold. This is where the, the federal government is these days. You have to clarify to someone that you are exercising your right to capitalism 
if as it were. Like, hey, guess what? America's based on a free market economy. Really? Yes. And I'm taking advantage by reading this ad about a product that will pay me for reading the ad. Huh? <laughs> really, that's for the dummies that just don't get it, though, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's largely, I think, there was... Um, I should be able to tell you a little more quickly, but it, it came from an Instagram influencer who was not disclosing that she was being paid to peddle whatever the product was. And then there was a problem with the product. And she was like, well, these were, I mean, these were all paid advertisements and it turned into this whole. Her name is Mr. Thing. Guns and Gear. <laughs> and the product was Chinese made charging handles. <laughs> you won't say it to his face. I will. Uh, that wasn't his fault, though, to be fair, right? That was with... Uh, Stag Arms. Stag Arms, yeah. And, yeah. And Allegedly, they, he was misled. They were misled. I don't know. I mean... He's a nice guy. Leave him. Pick on people that aren't nice to people in real life. <laughs> I mean, I can make a list. Yeah. Especially in this community. Pick on the guy that went to the marketing <laughs> thing and yelled at us about not getting enough free stuff. Pick on him. I don't want Gun to make collective. fun of people with neck beards. Uncollective. Y'all don't give me enough free stuff. Anyway, that's a true story for another time. All right. Uh, <laughs> just letting all the cats out of the bag tonight. I think we, we may need to revisit that one. Um, okay, soon enough. You want to hear that story, I'll be glad to tell it. Uh, you can email me, and then I'll share it next time if you want to hear it. All right, so what's in Congress's COVID-19 relief package, and why the heck did it cost $900 billion bucks? If each taxpaying American's only getting six hundred dollars uh, from NPR.org, they say Congress plans. What you're mad that I'm reading from NPR? There's a copy of the Communist Manifesto right behind me too. You want to get mad about that? Okay, all right. Congress plans to pass on a bipartisan nine hundred billion dollar relief bill after intense negotiations over its final details. Leaders of both parties are lauding the agreement, claiming victory for. Do I hold on a second? What am I doing? Let me get my NPR voice out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Both parties are lauding the agreement, claiming victory for provisions they were able to get in and keep out. The measure includes up to $600 relief check for many Americans, as well as an assortment of aid for small businesses and money to purchase and distribute vaccines. Democracy, courtesy of Democrats, is the way. Um, the pandemic, I made that last part up. The pandemic relief <laughs> is being passed as part of a bill to fund the federal government through the end of the current fiscal year. All right. Individual benefits, $600 direct payment for anyone, for every adult and child. I don't mean to cut you off here, no, but I have to. Okay. I feel like it has to be noted because you cited NPR off the bat. Do you know how much money they're getting out of this? Man, no, I don't. Do you? Would you like to know? Because I just so happen to have that in front of me. So there's no right answer to that question. Because <laughs> I do, but then I'm just going to get mad. You're going to get really mad when I tell you. Out of $900 billion, how much are we giving to the Democratic operatives at NPR? National Propaganda Radio. You want to go like over under? Or you just... I don't know how that stuff works. Um, All right, I'll well, guess. I'll just tell you then. Okay. $300 million. Oh, man. I was going to ask if it's more than $100 million. Are you $300 million? Yeah, if I'm counting zeros correct, that's $300 million. That's crazy talk. That's crazy. That's not the craziest one, though. 
Continue. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just felt like because you jumped on NPR, I had to hit you with that. I had to hit you with some reality. Here's what you can expect to get. I want to I want to hear the rest of what you got. Here's what you can expect to get. $600 direct payment for every adult and child earning up to $75,000 a year. Now, my kids don't have jobs, so I don't know if they qualify. But maybe. Individuals earning between seventy five and 99000 would get smaller checks, and the benefit cuts out entirely for individuals earning over $99,000. Isn't the child tax credit 600 bucks a kid? Isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So they didn't, they didn't exactly reinvent the wheel here. They knew there was a figure that the government puts on the cost of having a child every year. $600, by the way, is not it. <laughs> like, yeah. Not even close. 50 bucks a month, right? Unemployment benefits. Lawmakers agreed to extend enhanced unemployment benefits for jobless workers who will receive up to $300 per week through mid-March. Self-employed people and gig workers will also receive extended assistance. Rental assistance, the measure includes $25 billion to help families pay their rent. And it extends the eviction moratorium now in effect until January 31st. SNAP assistance, Democrats say the measure includes an additional $13 billion for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, probably one of the most used, overused and abused programs in America. Uh, there's some small business help in there. The agreement includes $68 billion to purchase and distribute COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, internet access, the measure contains $7 billion to increase access to broadband internet. There's transportation aid. There's education aid to the tune of $82 billion. Agriculture will get a whopping $13 billion. The measure also includes some medical bill relief, a provision ending uh, surprise medical building, uh, billing. Excuse me. Republicans say patients would be required to receive a true and honest cost estimate three days before any scheduled procedure, and that billing disputes would be subject to arbitration. Uh, we need that anyway. Like why? I don't know why it took COVID to make that happen, but transparency and medical help is something we've needed for a long time. I would actually say mm-hmm. transparency in passing bills in Congress is something we need big time. Fair enough. I would back you up. So what are the other egregious things happening in this I would this say bill? the most egregious thing about this is it's 5,500 pages, and they were given two hours to review it. Sounds familiar, if you remember Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah. Took, the, took that right out of the old Obamacare playbook, right? Mm-hmm. So you and I, we get our $600 check, right? Yeah. A um, couple things in here that are questionable. And by a couple, I mean all of them. $10,000 per person for a student loan bailout. Did you read about that one? No. Mm, funny. Ten grand, huh? CNN didn't tell you that? No. Ten grand. So what? Do you get that and pay down your student loans? Or? I, I guess. I don't know. I actually looked for more sources to cite how that was paid out, and I couldn't find anything on it. I think everyone is actually avoiding talking about it, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, $300 million for migrant and refugee assistance programs. You can find that on page 147. Of course. Uh, $100 million to NASA. Why not? Uh, because we have space aliens now. Uh, let's see. It's like $20 billion mm. to 
the USPS, which seems like a pretty effective use of money, really. Right. If I'm counting zeros right, that's 20, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's a lot of zeros. Hey, uh, in, in that, since we're on that topic, how much are they giving to Blockbuster? Um, scrolling through Blockbuster, go to the appendix B. I felt like you were under the failing businesses tab. Ooh, I'm not done though. Radio Shack. Uh, Amtrak is in here. So, so yeah, we are definitely going to cover some failing businesses. Uh, $300 million to the endowment of the arts. Of course. Uh, another 300 mil. I like how I just started calling it 300 mil. Well, that's what cool kids do. It's casual. Because this is casual. We're throwing this around. Because it's basically it's it's peanuts. unbelievable. 300 mil for the endowment for the humanities. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't know what they do. Uh, let's see, fifteen million bucks for uh, veterans employment training. Now, keep in mind the numbers that I've already thrown at you are pretty big. Yeah, the the smaller of them is going to go to veterans employment training. Love it. So this is what's going to cover where the GI Bill doesn't essentially. Right. Yeah, uh, because you're already paying for that in your taxes. FYI. Uh, $435 million for mental health support. Uh, after these lockdowns, they're going to need a lot more than that. That's for real. FYI. That's for real. Uh, let's see. $30 billion. You're going to love this one. $30 billion, with a B, billion, goes to the Department of Education Stabilization Fund. Which is... I'm just going to let that hang <laughs> in the air because I have no idea what that means. What what exactly needs to be stabilized at the part the Department of Education? A department that shouldn't exist on the federal level, by the way. Yeah, you know what? Can I pause there for a quick second and just... I don't want to divert from the story entirely, but I do want to say it occurred to me this week. I, uh, I, I have friends on Facebook who are teachers, and I don't take too well to the whining about being a teacher. Kind of like I don't take well now to whining about being a nurse, but also I'm a hero. But look at me, I'm a teacher. My job is so hard. Celebrate me. Like you Watch my TikTok. Yeah, you, you chose the profession. You sh- If you're dumb, you chose it and didn't know what you were getting into. If you're the least bit intelligent. Which is terrifying. Right. If you're the least bit intelligent, you knew, I'm going to be a teacher. And God bless you. Okay, because you know what I don't want to do with my day every day? Be surrounded by 20 children of other people. Okay? I have three of my own, and that's enough. I don't need 20 that aren't. I used to make this joke, and actually I stand by this. If I didn't get the fun of making the child, I don't want the headache of dealing with it. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Okay. So you knew going in. But I was thinking, because there they are griping, and I think to myself, you know what's funny is, Public education is government-funded, government-run, government-employed. We know for a fact that they are understaffed, they lack resources, and they're falling apart. Why in the world? It's almost as if the private sector could actually do it better. They certainly can and do, right? (laughs) Why in the world did we let those same idiots get their hands around the throat of the American healthcare system. What could we have possibly been well, thinking we, well, to not at, say? So what's it been since March? How many months? 
Six, what are you, seven, eight. Eight months nine. since March. <laughs> My math is terrible right now. Well, and there's uh, nine. public education for you. Nine months. Um, okay, call Mid it. December. Call it eight months, nine months. It took the government that long to give us each $600. Yeah. And you want them to run your health care. Right. What could possibly go wrong? I mean. It just proves our point that we made a couple weeks ago. About the fact that it's all a charade. This is all theater. They love each other at night. They beat each other up on cable TV during the day. They go out and have steak and wine and bourbon and whatever else they're drinking at night. Pat each other on the back. Job well done, Mitch. You too, Nancy. And they're all over there in the corner, lovey-dovey on each other, knowing that they've got the wool pulled over certain people's eyes. And those people continue to believe that there's actually some sort of conflict among these people when really it's just all theater. It's you mean just all of us theater. poor people that th- think $600 is a lot of money? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, here's the thing. See, you're right. The sentiment is correct there, right? $600 can do a lot for somebody. I get that. But what is $600 from the jackasses who have shut your business down, who have mandated you don't work, who are the reason you're un, you're in the unemployment line, those people created the problem. And they want to throw crumbs at you. Go, look at what we're doing to fix it. You're not doing jack to fix it. Well, if you look at, so th- when they passed the first stimulus bill in March for however many trillion dollars that was, mm-hmm. and we, the American people, got the shaft on that one, just like we're getting on this one. Actually, this one may be worse. Um, debatable, I guess, but... If you if you so if, take take that twelve hundred bucks and divide it up over however many days it's been since they passed that bill, and I saw something where somebody did the math on it, and it's like four dollars and like twelve cents a day if you stretch it out. It's crazy. So for the people who are really struggling, who've lost their jobs, who are who lost their homes or on the verge of losing their homes, can't feed their children. Yeah. What good does this quote unquote stimulus money do? Right. Because it appears to me we're stimulating everyone but the American people. You're exactly right. We're, we're, we're inflating government. This is one big look. If they're propping up the United States Postal Service, even though it's mostly private but still government funded, they're propping up the education system. All these things that should just be allowed to fail. Listen. I know this is going to be really unpopular. The American education system needs to be allowed to fail. Just as GM should have failed, just as Chrysler should have failed under the Obama regime, these places need to be allowed to fail because then we have to build them back up and we have to do it correctly. And as you just mentioned, the private sector is the only one capable of doing that the right way. It is, in, it is a uh, continued bloat of the government and they're doing it on purpose, and they know what they're doing, I think it's time to just let it die. Just let the public education system die. Because the truth is, we're all homeschooling our children now anyway. Even if these teachers want to act like, oh, I got on Zoom for an hour with 20 kids. What a headache. The parents are still mainly doing the work. The parents oh, yeah. have to keep the kid on the computer. The parents have to make sure the kid is doing the work when the computer gets turned off. Our kids do homeschooling through an online program that allows them to get up in the in the morning, log onto a computer, see their set of uh, modules 
that they have to complete for that day of schooling, and then sit there and do it at their pace. And then at the end of it all, they take quizzes on whatever their subject matter was, and we can go in and see the grades they got, what they got right, what they got wrong. We can help correct it, and then we're done. And guess what? That's an entirely efficient way to educate your child. And that's, that's really cool because I was wondering where you keep the chalkboard in here. Because mm. I don't see one, so I was wondering how you were teaching your kids. It so. gets wheeled out. Yeah, I got it you. It gets wheeled right. out. Whenever somebody disobeys dad, it's the Glenn Beck style thing yep. for sure. Yep. It's like charts about, you know, mom needs to be submissive to dad because dad's in charge. Right. And I have to do it when she's not here. That's kind of the well, other yeah. hard part. You know, Duh. let her get out of the house so she can't hear what I'm saying. Now, who's in charge? Send her Mom. Out. Send her out to get sandwich supplies. Yes, yes. And then you can teach the kids the real stuff. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Um, there's a more efficient way to do it. And if we will allow them to fail, which sounds scary because, oh, my goodness, that's where my kids go to school. It's already not good. Right? I mean, well, nobody's bragging about the American are we really education talking about system. This? So if it fails, it can then be... You know, not to be overly poetic, but it can kind of be born anew, right? Right. And yeah. so we can rebuild it in in a, a better fashion than it's mm-hmm. currently operating. Mm-hmm. I mean, businesses do it all the time. Yep. You look at uh, big entrepreneurs and the failures that they incur, and they'll tell you that, that they're some of the best things that ever happened to them because they learned from those mistakes. Elon right. Musk comes to mind. Travis Haley comes to mind. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there. I think that people admire because they're, they're in the public eye and you think, well, they're, they're, they're so brilliant and there's, you know, everything they do, t- you know, turns everything they touch turns to gold. That's not always the case. You don't always see the failures, so I think to your point, if if we could let it fail, it, it probably in the long run would be the best thing for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think um, <clears throat> this is gonna, this is this is my radical idea. I think you shouldn't have to send your kids to school if you don't want to. I think you should have to contribute something if you do. I am quite okay with a society that agrees as a collective to help educate our children. I'm okay putting into that system. I'm not okay with the current setup because it's so full of propaganda. They're teaching things I don't agree with, forcing them on kids. We've got young children having to learn about gender dysphoria, but they're learning it in ways that want to normalize it rather than treat it for what it is, um, which is a, a, a true mental health issue that we refuse to acknowledge. Um, but I think if, if you don't want your kid in school, so I think about my son. And my son um, will sometimes say, uh, because we've told him, if he, if he wants to go to regular school, he can go to regular school. It'll be his decision to make one day. And so he'll ask questions about it. And one of the things I drive home to him is, if you go to a regular school, you need to understand that the playground is only used for an hour a day max. And the rest of the time, you have to sit still in a room and listen to somebody talk. And he is always, that's how I win him right back. He goes, <laughs> what? And I go, you're going to, seriously, you're going to sit in a room and you're going to listen to someone talk 
even if you already understand it, you have to stay quiet and wait for the hour until they get done, and then they move on to something else. And even if you get that right away, you have to sit, you have to wait until they move on to something else. And you're not allowed to talk, not allowed to move around, not allowed to talk to your friends. Ain't going to happen. You're going to sit still. You're going to listen. If you want to go do that, you can go do that. And he's yet to take me up on it. But that boy, if tomorrow I said to him, there's a construction company in town who will let you come drive nails and you can make $8 an hour to do it. And you can work from 8 a.m. until lunch. And they're going to teach you their way of driving a nail into a board. Would you like to go do it? I guarantee he would take me up on it. Point being, we need to bring back apprenticeships. We need to bring back ways where these kids can go in and get jobs that don't require a degree, where they can be taught. I have a cousin right now who is taking up a job as a dental assistant, not the hygienist who does the cleaning, but an assistant. And this dentist doesn't believe a degree is required for that. The dentist believes that my cousin can be taught everything that needs to be known about that position. So rather than wasting money on a diploma or a degree that will be entirely unnecessary, my cousin is now working to learn what needs to be known to have that job. Why are we not doing that across the board with everything? School should be optional. It should be effective when it's implemented, and it needs to stop being so radical in what they're teaching people. I can tell you right now, by the way, and I'll wrap it up, I remember sitting in criminal justice classes at the University of South Carolina Upstate and being told by the professor that law enforcement in America is inherently racist, that it is a racist system. They are teaching it in the classrooms, and that is why those kids who were in that classroom with me five, six years ago probably firmly believe that to be true because it's not necessarily something... I mean, I would argue the point, but there's no empirical proof either way outside of looking at it and going, well, prove that point. How could you possibly say that and say you know the heart, mind, and soul of every law enforcement officer in America when we know the vast majority of them are good people and there's probably bad people in there too? By the way, you can't say that about Black Lives Matter. You can't look at the Black Lives Matter movement right now and go, well, the majority of them are really good people. No, they're not. Because everywhere they show up, they tear things apart. Did you see they ruined the cancer hospital fundraiser? Did you see that? No, I missed that. They showed up at Candy Cane Lane, legitimately, an annual fundraiser for local children's cancer hospital, and just started tearing the place apart. Because why? Black Lives Matter. Seems legit. It's absurd. So that's the stuff they're teaching in classrooms these days. They're going to teach that that's a legitimate movement. Portland, where they tried to do like a uh, autonomous zone again here recently. Was that Portland? I don't know. They tried another Chaz. Yeah, essentially. And the guy, one of the guys that was a leader of it, I'm using air quotes when I say leader, mm-hmm. uh, was picked up and uh, I apparently has a history of being a pedophile. No. And it's kind of funny to me. It seems like you show up to an Antifa rally and throw a rock, you're likely to hit a convicted pedophile. Yeah, feels like Seems like like there's a strange correlation going on there. Yep, yep. And uh, 
those two movements are starting to merge, and that's terrifying. The more Black Lives Matter, a radical Marxist organization, the more that organization gets in bed with Antifa, a radical communist organization, I think the more likely you are to find this this country in some very, very dire circumstances. Okay, um, speaking of that, you need to be prepared. Uh, there's two things you have to have to survive. Two true essentials, food and water, food and water. If you lose your job, if your $600 doesn't come through, if Black Lives Matter marches on your neighborhood or your community tomorrow alongside Antifa, they tear things up. The business you work at now could very well close down. Um, you can have a safety net in place. My Patriot Supply offers entrees, soups, rice, beans, vegetables, fruits, much, much more, giving you 25 years of backup emergency food supply. Go to FeltRecoilShow.com. Click uh, FeltRecoilShow.com slash MyPatriotSupply. Click on the offers we have there. Calories equal energy equals survival. You can prepare and save now. Uh, we have a link there that gets you 720 servings of Franklin's Finest Coffee. That coffee has a 30-year shelf life. You're going to pay about a dime per cup. There's more specials there. They're all linked on that page. Click the link. You'll be supporting the podcast when you do at FeltRecoilShow.com slash my patriot supply i'm going to gloss over this real quick and then we're going to get into our vote of the week just so you know there's a study out now that says let me see where to go thank you very much all right researchers at rationalground.com which is a clearinghouse of covid19 data run by a grassroots uh, grassroots group of data analysts computer scientists and actuaries have done an analysis on all 50 states, they divided them up by those that had mask mandates and those that did not. They began studying months and months ago in May. So from May 1st to December 15th, they looked at all 50 states for mask mandates. They calculated how many cases per day by population happened with and without mask mandates. Get this. If the state had no mask mandate, the number of cases per day ran somewhere around 17 per 100,000 people. If there was a mask mandate in place, the daily number of cases per 100,000 people was 27. So you have 17 without the mask and the mandate, or you put the mask on and it rises to 27. I think you need to trust the science, sir. You're right. I would say that's about, uh, am I correct, that's about a 30% increase they studied the numbers of cases over a 229 day period and divided the results by those two groups when comparing the states with mandate versus those without the periods of time within a state um there's no evidence the mask mandate worked to slow the spread one bit in total in the states that had a mandate in effect there were 9.6 million confirmed covid cases over 5,907 total days And there were 5.7 million cases over 5,772 total days uh, in states without the mask mandate. We got that up on our Facebook page. You can go thumb through the study yourself if you wouldn't like. Now, I'm a little... I'm I'm a little confused here. Which sound do I play first? Do I play the ATF sound or the VOTA sound? 
I don't, mm. I don't even know if it, if it matters. That's kind, of, that's kind of the scary part, isn't it? Yeah. Let's go with uh, the ATI. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I well need done. to be a part of the hundred club. Yes, thank you, thank you. In real time, be a part of the hundred club. This week's voter of the week. Before we say goodbye, is anyone? Sorry. It's anyone who has said recently that they've lost their guns in a boating accident. Let's stop saying that. Can we all agree to stop saying that? The reason it's back in the news right now, if you don't know, is because the ATF has now said that they're going to have new guidelines on how they determine what a Class 3 item is when it comes to a firearm with an arm brace attached. Now, let's give you some necessary context. I'm going to speak in general terms. Patrick, correct me when I'm wrong. Glad essentially, to. essentially, you have two types of firearms. When we're, talk, when we're having this conversation, we're talking about two different types of firearms. Number one is a rifle, and number two is a pistol. Okay, You can have an AR rifle. You can have an AR pistol. Okay, AR pistols are very, very popular right now because with a brace, according to the ATF up until this week, you could put a brace on a firearm, and that firearm became a pistol. So you would have this AR pistol because it had a brace on it. The ATF had even gone so far as to say <clears throat> you could put the brace against your shoulder if it was incidental contact while you were shooting the gun. It was just working still its standard function to help you stabilize while you were shooting. Now the ATF has said, now wait a second, wait a second. <coughs> if they're using both hands to shoot the gun, it's not really a pistol anyway actually a rifle so what they've done is potentially they've created a short barreled rifle and if they've done that they need to pay us a fine and register that firearm with the federal government get tax stamp on and all that good stuff so the atf released a document that is now currently submitted with the federal register and they're saying this will be our guidance going forward on how we'll determine whether or not it's a rifle or a pistol or class three item that's subject to the restrictions put in place by the gun control act and the national firearms act respectively. Let me make something clear to you because I think everybody's missing this point. Here's the big point people are missing about this. If you're worried about it, the brace alone does not a class three item make. What the ATF has done is they've outlined actually nine factors for consideration for their field agents. And those nine factors must all be weighed correspondingly to see if the class three item exists. So what I mean by that is they're telling their agents that the stabilizing brace. So the objective design features ATF, this is their words. The objective design features ATF considers in determining whether a weapon with an attached stabilizing brace has been designed or redesigned, made or remade and intended to be fired from the shoulder which would then make it the class three item include, but are not limited to type and caliber weight and length length of pull, which is the distance from your um, trigger to the point at which, uh, at which the stock meets the shoulder, the attachment method of the brace, the stabilizing brace design features, the aim point of the gun itself. Meaning if when you hold it out, it aims too high or too low, <laughs> they're saying 
it's not a rifle. It's not a or it's Come not on, a pistol. Man. It's a short barreled rifle. Secondary grip is another determining factor. Sights and scopes is an, is a uh, factor for consideration. Incorporation of sights or scopes that possess eye relief incompatible with one-handed firing may indicate that the weapon is not a pistol because they are designed to be used from a shoulder-fired position and then peripheral accessories as well. That's probably... I, mean, I understand where they're coming from. Still probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It is so absurd. And I think, first of all, they played the long game on us. They said they were cool, no problem. They waited till millions of these have been sold, and now they've turned back around and gone, you know what? Tell you what. <laughs> Those aren't legal. Because here's what they're doing. If you don't want to get in trouble, you can register that gun with the federal government right now, and they won't charge you the $200 fine that's usually associated with a Class 3 What a bargain. It's amazing, isn't it? They're, they're really just looking out for us. It's altruism. Like, to the highest degree. They love us. How I'm going to run out and register all mine tomorrow, I think. I think you should. Yep. I think you should. Um, but there's a lot of panic of people for braces. Now, you can still buy a brace right now. Braces are still entirely legal. It may or may not make it an SBR. It just depends on the rest of everything. And therein lies the problem. I think the most insulting part of this is the ATF wants you to believe that these are very objective factors to be weighed. But there's nothing objective about weight, there's nothing objective about sight relief. There's nothing objective about um, uh, aim point. Those things well, are all I, shooter dependent. And also this whole notion that uh, handguns should be fired with one hand only. That's right. It's pretty ridiculous. Ain't nobody out there doing that. Uh, I actually saw somebody today put on the internet a picture of ATF agents at the shooting range and they're shooting their sidearms they're like glock handguns right and they're all using two hands to support <gasps> the firearm oh sbrs right so i mean by their own logic yeah they're breaking the law right it's a really really good point it's kind of stupid <clears throat> there's and nothing kinda, logical I mean, about it really really stupid like i don't want to speak in generalities here but i will say the atf is the enemy <laughs> I mean, really. I like how you purposely kept that murk. <laughs> really think about this for a second. What nitwit criminal in general, what criminal ever has said to themselves, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy this AR, right? I'm going to keep it in my car to commit crime with. Oh, I better put a brace on it, though. I'd hate to be breaking the law right. with the gun I'm using to break the law. Sure. You, well, if you're a criminal, the thing you have to factor in yes. is the probability of getting caught by someone that works for the ATF. That's fair. So this great big old country of ours, there's about 2,000 of them. So you got to be looking over your shoulder pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could see the logic in, well, I want the gun to be as legal as possible because if I do get caught in the commission of a crime and it's a class three item to boot, they're just going to tack that on. I guess I could kind of see that. 
But the logic. What difference does that make? Right. At this point. Because if you if you are, let's say you rob a bank. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to get charged for robbing the bank. Yeah. And then you're going to get charged for using a weapon in the act of a violent crime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're already going to get weapons charges anyway. Right. So, really, does it really matter if you have a brace or a stock on your... I would. I'd be I'd be there in the crappy court. AR. I'd be in the courtroom, and Judge Whopper would be like, uh, Mr. Vermillion, uh, you're being charged with a felony strong-armed uh, robbery, uh, use of a weapon in the commission of a violent crime. How do you plead? And I'd be like, Your Honor, real quick, real quick. <laughs> Guilty on all that except that thing about the stock. You, you noticed that I put a brace on it, right? And he's like, <laughs> sure. And I'm like, cool, cool. Because I was trying to be upstanding citizen. That's right. I just want to make sure that counts for something, right? Like I was I was doing the best I knew how to abide by the law. But times are tough, man. Times are tough. I just watched this documentary about drinking bourbon. Had a hankering. Went up there and thought, you know what I could do? Take this with me. I'll get the bourbon. And some cash flow. And that was just a bad decision, Your Honor. Bad decision on my part. So, yes, guilty. Guilty on what you were talking about. But also, I kind of feel like I, I deserve I was some, looking out for you. Some recognition for what I did right. <laughs> it's one of the things you guys never seem to do in these courtrooms. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like I'm always watching. You guys are always looking out, looking for the negative. <laughs> <laughs> Your pessimism is the reason people like me exist, sir. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, here's the takeaway. Don't worry about the new potential guidance uh, because the brace alone doesn't turn it into a class three item. What they're asking you to do is send it in and let them evaluate these nine factors. They have, by the way, if you look at the guidance, <clears throat> if you want to submit comment, you have to tell them your name and your address <laughs> and your phone number. Tell them where you live. Why you disagree with what they're doing. That sounds smart. Uh, but also, as my buddy Chris pointed out, don't be intimidated. I mean, that's 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 an intimidation factor, right? That's and they already got you. Compliance by force. So feel free to speak up. If you do speak up, there are some guidelines you have to follow. You can get those guidelines uh, in the guidance itself. Legitimately, or, though. Mm-hmm. If you frequent gun forums... If you own class three items already, if you've been in a gun store and took your cell phone in with you, mm-hmm. they already know. So I'm not sure what difference it makes if you're if you're gonna put a comment out there or not. And I will say, if you think back to the uh, green tip fiasco from a few years back when uh, they arbitrarily decided that they were gonna ban green tip That's ammunition, the one. That's the one I was thinking about the other day. If you think about it. Uh, the public outcry from that, I think, was actually the determining factor that kept it legal. So, just something to consider. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people think all hope is lost on this thing, and yeah. maybe not. I think if there's enough outcry, uh, you know, we, we may be able to sway the decision a little bit there. Yeah, and and feel free to contact your congressman as well because. Those are the guys that can really make the difference. Uh, Here's another thing. If you make a comment similar to someone else's comment, they count that as one comment, and they reply accordingly. That's Mm -hmm. in the guidance as well. Andrew Lang is at the Office of Regulatory Affairs in the Enforcement Programs and Services. 
his name and number in the guidance. It's now up on our Facebook page. You can call his telephone number there in D.C. and just tell him you disagree with the AR brace guidance uh, as politely as possible and and let that be that as well. I, I, I'm with you. I think we have to annoy everyone possible with kindness, though. Just pepper them every day with, man, disagree with what you guys are doing. Just want to make sure you understand that and then go about your life. Um, uh, but be polite. Don't be mean to these people. Because, by the way, it's also in the guidance. If you're rude, uh, derogatory, if you use explicit language. They don't have to respond. They don't have to respond. Yeah. All right, there you have it. Uh, I think that was about it for that. Um, if you have a pistol and you're worried, you can submit the paperwork, turn it into an SBR, and you don't have to pay the $200 fine. That's on you, whatever you want to do. If you have a brace on a pistol, uh, the ATF probably doesn't know that right now, so it's not like you need to run out and tell them anyway, depending Shh. on... Yes. Be quiet. Exactly. <laughs> depending on how you bought it, Okay. So uh, that would be a state issue. I've heard of some states will register pistol lowers as pistols on the 4473. South Carolina certainly doesn't do that. We're other and other, so they're not going to know. Um, it would take a massive audit of gun companies to, to get that information. I, I don't think they'll get it. Again, so. 2,000 agents, good luck. Yeah. So I I'll think s- I'll see that working out. You're 100% right. Just stay quiet, and it will pass. Did we forget anything? I'm sure we did. We covered a lot. But you know what? That's what next week's for. Okay. That's fair. Let's do it then. We'll do it then. All right. There are new episodes available every Tuesday of the Felt Recall Podcast, wherever you like to get your podcast. If you find us and you like it, subscribe, leave a review, and let someone you love know that we exist. Thank you. And don't forget to support those who support the show. FeltRecallShow.com slash AR500 and FeltRecallShow.com slash my patriot supply you're probably shopping for that stuff anyway so go there click the links get some special uh, deals on what they're offering and support the show in the meantime we will see you in seven more days for the post christmas version of the felt recall podcast have a very very merry christmas merry christmas patrick right back at you buddy merry christmas